Philippians 1.6 And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. This verse was given to me after I had finished leading a Bible study in a South African prison. A man came up to me and gave me this verse as a word from God. I had heard this verse before, so it didn't really seem all that new, and honestly it didn't really seem like a word from God. But this verse has changed my life. What this verse means to me is that all the ways that I fall short and fail will themselves fail that Jesus is king and that he's completing me completely. And when a man who's almost literally shackled to the sin of his past declares the faithfulness of God, I began to believe that God could be faithful even to someone as broken as me. The perfection that I sought and that I seek so vigorously has already been achieved in Jesus Christ. And one day it'll be achieved in me as well. That is the promise of this verse. And until that day, I cannot, I will not, I do not shackle myself to my own imperfections, but I hold tightly to him who is perfection himself. Jesus, take those words and turn them into uh, change for us. So we become more like you. We become more and more of the men and women you want us to be. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Hello. Welcome. Once again, it is good to be with you here in person, uh, somewhat air-conditioned. Uh, maybe you're watching the podcast online, hopefully in somewhere air-conditioned. Um, what you don't want to do is be listening over in the sanctuary right now. Let me just say, if you've got any plans, I would say just go around that place because it's stupid hot in there. But um, <laughs> we're... Um, we're glad to have you on this 4th of July weekend, this weekend when we celebrate uh, freedom from the tyranny and the oppression of having to drive on the left side of the road. Um, sorry, it's a little political. Gotcha. It's hard to drive on the left side of the road. I've, I've tried it, and the Medina police don't approve, so just, especially since I don't live in Medina. We're in a sermon series called Words We Live By, Words We Live By, and in the series we're taking familiar verses in Scripture and we're looking at them in, in fresh ways. We're kind of letting them speak in fresh ways. And if these verses aren't familiar to you, that's okay. doesn't mean you're a bad Christian. doesn't mean you're a bad person. It just means you probably didn't fill out that survey a couple months ago when we were asking for some of your favorite verses. Uh, and so uh, the, the sermon, sermon series for the whole summer is actually based on uh, those verses that you uh, decided were, were your favorites. So um, all that is to say is if you don't like the sermon, it's kind of on you. It's kind of your fault, so just keep that in mind. Um, not my bad. Uh, this week, our verse comes from this letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to a church in Philippi. In fact, it's a church that he started, and it's a church that he's very passionate about, that he loves tremendously. And he's writing to this church that he started because they are in deep trouble. They're kind of desperate. They've lost their way. They're stuck in power plays. They're stuck in politics. They're just stuck. They're, they're chained up. And so Paul... Who, because he feels such affection for them, would, would just love to be there with them and encourage them and, and, and correct them, but do so in a way that they would really feel loved with eye contact, with, with a hug, with a handshake. But there's just one little problem. That's, of course, that he's in prison. Paul's in prison. And so it's hard to do that from prison. And so Paul, in his desperation, wanting this church to thrive, 
wanting this church to recenter and, and remember who God is and why, what he's actually called them to, Paul writes this letter. And so this, in this letter, he, he wants to uh, clarify for them what's important and why, to get them recentered on the true center. And the, and the verse we're looking at this morning, uh, at today, we're, we're, is going to be an important part of that. But there's some context I want to give you around that verse that I think will help us get into that a bit. The same chapter, but starting in verse 12, Paul writes this. He makes a pretty outrageous statement, and it, it has a lot of impact for us today. Now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains... Most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. Because of my chains, not in spite of my chains, not despite my chains, but because of my chains, God's love is being demonstrated even more clearly in me and through me because of my chains. In other words, it's my chains that are this channel for God's love to be revealed. It's my chains that show God's reality breaking through in ways that it just wasn't anticipated breaking through because of my chains. Let me ask you this. Where do you feel chained today? Where do you feel chained? Where do you feel stuck? Might be in a certain relationship or a certain lack of relationship. Maybe it's in a job that you've got that you just wish you could get out of, or, or a job you don't have that you wish you could get into? Is it in your finances? Do you feel chained, bound by that stuff? Maybe you feel chained in your own body. It's not doing what it used to be able to do, or it's not doing what you wish that it could do. Maybe it's in your spirit. You just don't feel that connection with God like you once did. Where do you feel chained? Let me ask you another question. What if, like Paul... It was actually because of those chains you're experiencing right now, because of those chains, that God's love was being shown all the more clearly to those around you and even shaping you. What if, like Paul, it's because of those chains that, that God was shaping us more and more into the men and the women that God wants us to be? What if it was because of those chains that God was actually preparing you for something so good you can't even imagine it right now in these circumstances? What if it was because of the chains? Let me be clear, as, as we've sung about, as, as Kyle's prayed about, as we've talked about, as, as is the message of this church, God does not want you to stay chained. That is not his will for your life. That is not the kingdom of God reality on earth. In fact, when Paul writes his letter to the Galatians, another one of the churches, he opens by saying, it is for freedom. We just sang about this. It is for freedom that Christ set us free. It's for freedom. God wants you free. He does not want you to stay chained. And let's be honest, if we're really thinking about this, most of our chains, we've put there ourselves. In 21st century America, most of the chains we experience, we've put there ourselves. Choices that we've made, usually small choices over a period of time, now we're bound up in something. We jumped in that relationship too soon. We didn't listen when everybody said, no, 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 be careful. We used our credit card because we just didn't want to save to wait. You know, we didn't want to wait. And it's like, I could have this now, and it would complete the set, and it's the same color, and it matches. And 
We said those things even though we knew that it would hurt that other person that we love. We lied to protect ourselves because we were embarrassed. We ate that entire half gallon of ice cream because we felt bad about not meeting our fitness goals. So it wasn't just me. Okay, good. I feel better about that. Thank you. Most of our chains are there because we put them there through these small choices that we make over time. But here's the good news of Jesus and the promise of this verse in particular that we're looking at today. Whether we put the chains on or someone else put them on or they're just there because we live in a broken world. We live in a fallen world with imperfect bodies, imperfect personalities. No matter what, God can and will use our chains if we let him. Let me explain. Not long ago, I was reading an article about uh, a trapeze artist and kind of how that art is learned. And uh, this trapeze artist was relating how these new initiates uh, uh, get, to, get to the point where they can actually soar between trapezes. And in the article, he describes this training process, and he says, in order to learn how to safely and skillfully launch from one trapeze to catch the other trapeze, they must first be harnessed. Maybe you've seen that. Like, they, they have this harness kind of wired in. They're stuck around here. It's not very comfortable. It's at times painful, but they're harnessed. They have to learn all the moves from the most basic to the most complicated while being harnessed. Just having a net wouldn't help, said the trapeze artist, because the net can only catch them. It can't train them. It can only catch them. It can't train them. It's the harness, he concludes. It's the harness that helps them learn how to soar. It's the harness that helps them learn how to soar. You see where I'm going with this. In the art of the circus trapeze, there's only one way to learn how to soar, by being chained to the harness. In the art of life, there's only one way to learn how to soar. It's by being chained to the harness. Our right now, here on earth lives are a bit like that harness, aren't they? You can feel like that. We're in training. We're hoping to soar. Occasionally, we get those glimpses of freedom, like we do some kind of cool move, and it just it works, and life is going great, and then we're stuck in the wires again. We're not at the launch point. We're not at the catch point. We're in the in-between. In fact, all of life is in the in-between. All of our life here on earth, apart from Jesus, is in the in-between. We're waiting for that next thing to happen. We're doing, doing our best with what's in front of us, but we're still kind of hoping for this opportunity. We're in this relationship, but what about that relationship? We're trying to be content while secretly aching for more. Most of life is in between. And I bet there's a whole bunch of us in, in this space or wherever you're watching from, a whole bunch of us who could say, some part of my life feels totally up in the air right now. Like some part, it just I don't know how this is going to work out. I don't know how it's going to work out for me. I don't know how it's going to work out for this person that I care about and I, I can't control the situation. What's going to happen? We're midair. In between is hard. It's messy. It's confusing. It's scary and lonely and often painful. But here's the good news. Our God, this God that we've just been singing about, the God that you'll hear talked about all the time around here, our God is the God of the in-between. Our God is the God of the in-between. And the verse we've zoomed in on today, this, this verse 6 from chapter 1 of Philippians, reminds us of that good news. It is a promise, just like Peter said. By the way, Peter, you look great in that video. Just a side note. I, I'm not the only one who thinks it. Um, I just named it. Um, 
It's a promise, and it, it goes like this. He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. Some of that, you've, you've heard that before, I bet, many of us. Some of you haven't, that's all right. He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Usually we just hear two parts of that. He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. And that is good news for those of us who trust Jesus with our lives, that it's Jesus who started it. It's Jesus that will complete it. But there's actually three parts to this promise. And the third part is kind of the best part, especially for our right now lives. The third part is the middle part. Not only does he begin it, not only does he complete it, he also carries it. He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. Jesus is in midair with us. He's the God of the in-between. And this promise is good news for us. Because our right here, right now God wants to meet us in our right here, right now chains. It's so powerful. Because it means the in-between matters. It means we're not just waiting around for something, hoping for something better. Right now matters. Whatever your feeling of being stuck is, it, it matters. That feeling of being trapped, it matters. God is at work in it even now. All of that stuff between the launch and the catch, it all matters because that's where God is at. That's where God works. The in-between is actually God's business. In fact, the in-between is God's specialty. It's what he's best at, if we can kind of say it that way. It means that God is at work right now in those chains, in those places you feel most frustrated. You feel stuck. You feel trapped. You feel confused. You feel you're just grieving a loss. You're, wherever you're at, it's because of those chains. God is at work right now. And because he is a good God, he doesn't just make us wait by the phone, which is always with us. So I don't know why I use that metaphor. Let's not, I won't, I'll scratch that for 11. Um, he's not just waiting around for us to, to to just be complacent, just to be passive. This is not a passive command. In fact, he gives us a part to play in the in-between, and it's, it's so simple that we often miss it, at least I do. He doesn't just let us flail through the air, hoping for the best, hoping we win the lottery somehow, relationally or financially or otherwise. He gives us a part to play. What is that part? Well, Paul hints at it right from the beginning of his letter in the Philippians. This is how, uh, to the Philippians, this is how he starts it. He says, I thank my God every time I remember you. I thank my God every time I remember you. Now, what's interesting is Paul is not like this guy who's just like, we don't get the sense from his other letters that he's just happy all the time, and he's super Mr. Positive, optimistic guy, and he's got lots of reasons for hope, but it doesn't come off as somebody who would just sort of like win a beauty pageant because of some great flowery speech or something. I don't know why he said beauty pageant, but you know the idea I'm talking about. Like, this guy's, he's a serious guy, so why is he uh, saying he's so thankful for them? He's, he's not just remembering, they go, oh, what a great guy. I thought, oh, yeah, some weird Greek name, Ephraphrataditis, like, oh, I love that person. They're just fantastic. He's not working that way. He's actually willing it. He's acting it. He's not feeling it necessarily. He's thanking his God. Paul's secret to thriving in the in-between is gratitude. Not necessarily feeling grateful, because I really don't believe that God expects us to feel grateful when some of our right now challenges are so painful or confusing or you're wondering how you're going to make it. I don't think that any of those commands, like God saying, like, you should just feel thankful. Just be thankful, y'all. He also doesn't have an accent like that. But the point is, the act of being thankful, the act of being thankful, is our part in this 
Gratitude is the appropriate mid-air response to the God of the in-between. Gratitude. So if you're like me, you might hear that and go, that's great, so I should just have this attitude of gratitude, and it's going to be all good. And No, it's not what I'm saying. We have to understand, again, that gratitude is not something we feel. Gratitude is something we do. It's something we do. It's a habit. It's a practice. It's a discipline. Of course, we can feel thankful, and that's, that's a great thing. That's, it may come or go, but feeling thankful is not the point. Practicing gratitude is the point. And, and we get stuck on this in our culture, the feeling. Well, I don't, I don't feel like, and I feel like I'm supposed to feel, and I feel like I feel, 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 feel. And I get that. I'm a feelings kind of guy. I did my undergraduate degree in communication and my graduate degree in counseling psychology, and that means I can look at the flow of information within an organization and articulate in detail how it's all your parents' fault. <laughs> I get feelings. I understand feelings. I love feelings. But as Dallas Willard writes, thank you for that laugh, by the way. I've been workshopping that one. Uh, but as Dallas Willard writes, and, and I often quote, feelings are great servants but terrible masters. Great servants, but terrible masters. The point is not to feel gratitude. The point is to practice gratitude. And here's what happens when we do that. We don't just grit our teeth. Perhaps we have to start that way, gritting our teeth. That's fine. Here's what happens when we practice gratitude. The result is joy. Joy. And in fact, this entire letter from Paul just drips with joy. Joy is the product of his discipline of gratitude, thanking God intentionally, even for his chains. Because of these chains, because of my chains, the gospel is being, is being advanced. God's love is breaking through all the more clearly. Brothers and sisters are being encouraged. People who didn't know Jesus are coming to know Jesus because of my chains. And we know that joy is not a happy feeling. It's not a happy feeling. Happiness is related to that word happenstance. It comes, it goes. It's, you can't really predict it. But joy is this quiet confidence that everything is okay. Everything is okay because I'm in the hands of a very good God, the God of the in-between. So again, we see Paul's joy throughout the book of Philippians. We see this joy throughout Paul's ministry despite all the hardships he experiences. We see his life, his ministry, and the people that get impacted by him just drenched in this joy. Why? Because of this habit, I give thanks. I give thanks. See, God wants joy to actually be your new normal. God wants joy to be your new normal. For many of us, it's, it's worry or anxiety or fear or doubt or just self-centered thinking. And he wants you to experience what you were actually made for, which is joy. So today and even now, even as you go on for the rest of your day and the rest of your week, here's what I want you to practice. I want you to practice being thankful for your chains, for those areas where you feel stuck. You do not have to feel happy about them. You do not have to feel grateful for them. You just have to be grateful for them. I want you to give thanks for your chains. This might look as simple as, as saying something like, God, thank you for this broken relationship because it reminds me how much I need you and others. Help me. God wants us to bring all our feelings to him, all our heartache, all our brokenness, all that stuff, absolutely. And God, thank you for this broken relationship because it, it points me back to you. It might sound like, thank you for this overwhelming debt that I've piled up because it reminds me my overwhelming need for you and, and my lack of trust in you to provide. God, thanks for that. It might be, God, thanks for this, this illness 
this, this lack that I have in my body because it reminds me it's, it's about your strength, not mine. Don't have to feel it. Just have to do it. Practice being thankful for your chains so that joy can replace the fear, so we can start to live the way that God intended us while we're midair as joyous people. Be thankful. It's our midair act of trust in our very good God. Amen. God is the God of the in-between. That is great, great news. And whether the chains that we have around us are ones that we've put there, ones that someone else has put there, One's just there because we live in a fallen world. God will work through them if you let him. Using those very chains, those very chains, the places you feel stuck right now, using that to bring freedom to you and to those around you. Sometimes that harness pinches and squeezes and it's comfortable and it feels like it's cutting into it, but it's there for one reason and for one reason only, so that you can learn to soar, so you can be free. It is for freedom that Christ has set you free. And that's something we can be tremendously grateful for. So Jesus, we come, and whatever we're feeling, nevertheless, we say thank you. Just as a a practice, as an act of the will, we say thank you for the stuff where we feel so stuck right now. Even though much of it is, is stuff that we have caused, we've created, nevertheless, thank you, God, because it reminds us of our great need for you. God, thank you that it is not your will that we would stay chained. It is not at all your will. It is because of you that we have any hope for freedom. And it is through you that we have freedom. So, Lord, would you make us more and more free? And would joy become the hallmark of our lives? Would joy become the hallmark of this community? Would this church be known as a church overflowing with joy? Not just because of the good things that you are doing, but simply because of who you are. And because of who you are, we can be grateful for our lives and everything in it. And so we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.